0: No one can touch my heart the way that you do, God No one can heal my heart the way that you do, God No one can strengthen me the way that you do, God You're so worthy, Jesus You're so worthy, Jesus We give you honor in this house tonight, God. We magnify the name of your son in this house tonight, God. We acknowledge that we are in your presence, Lord. We acknowledge that only by the blood of your precious son, Jesus, is that made possible. We have a desire tonight, Lord, and that is to walk closer to you. Than ever before. To truly walk in communion with you, God. Not to learn more facts about you, but to learn truly who you are in relationship. But we can't do that in our strength. We are not capable of producing that spiritual experience. We need you, Holy Ghost. Have your way with us tonight, Spirit of God. Bring the fire of heaven upon us tonight, Lord. I pray for inspiration. I pray for revelation. I pray for illumination of your word. As I decrease so that you would increase, Spirit of God, stand tall inside of me because we need you in the worst way tonight, God. We refuse to go forward without a fresh anointing. We refuse to coast on the fumes of yesterday's success. We want more of you. We need more of you. We hunger and thirst for your righteousness. But we can only do this by your will. We give you honor in this house. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you guys will stand for the reading of God's word. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17 tonight. And you can follow along on the screen. The word of the Lord reads like this. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Succoth, which belongs to Judah. They camped between Succoth and Azcah and Ephraim Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped there by the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array to encounter, somebody say encounter, Does anybody want to encounter God in this house tonight? I don't believe you. Does anybody in this house have a desire to meet with the Spirit of the Lord? They drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain of the other side with the valley between them. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was clothed with scaled armor, which weighed about 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his soldiers. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. And a shield carrier also walked before him and he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man from yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David was a son of the Ephraimite of Bethlehem, and Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And Jesse was the old in the day of Saul's, advancing years among men. And three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle. And the names of these three sons who went to battle were Elab, the firstborn. The second from him was Abinadab, and the third was Shema. David was the youngest... Now the three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. The Philistines came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. You may be seated. Thank you, Father. So tonight we're going to be talking about the profile of a giant killer. Amen. We're going to, through the Word of God, kind of crave out or carve out, rather, a a few takeaways. I'm going to have ten takeaways tonight. Amen. So I'm going to give you ten takeaways that will illuminate and or create for us what I like to call a profile of a giant killer. Amen. Has anybody ever gotten into some of the horror flicks or, or some of the thrillers and they have these uh, very educated and steeped individuals that are biologically uh, endowed with a fortitude of intellectual capacity. And I just lost half of you in the room, but it's okay. Webster has a dictionary. Amen. And they're very sharp individuals. They're CSI type folks. And they are steeped in the knowledge of what a criminal is like and what a serial killer is like. Uh, they even had some good movies. I think, uh, what was that one lady? She uh, Ashley Judd. Right, the uh, bone collector with Morgan Freeman, right, they were going after a serial killer. Well, tonight we are going to be talking about the profile of a giant, amen, the profile of a giant killer. So we want to look into the things of God and point out some actions that I believe they are going to help empower us to go forward for the glory of his name and steep us in the knowledge of the tools that we war against because we know that the tools that we war against are not carnal, right? They do not exist within our strengths, our wisdom, and our abilities. They are spiritual. Job 5.6 says adversity comes not from the dust. Well, what comes from the dust? Man, we come from the dust. Did you know that your body, I'm going to kick it uh, nerd for a second for you guys. Did you know that your body, literally every element of the periodic table you can find inside of your body? Amen. You can also find it in dirt. So you literally were comprised of the dust of the earth. The maker of the heavens and the earth scooped up the dust of the earth. He shaped, formed, and molded it, and he breathed life into it somebody say speak Speak life and so tonight we're going to be talking about the profile of a giant killer and so it shows us here it sets the stage and it says that they were in the valley of Allah, which belonged to judah now judah in the hebrew means place of praise Amen. So they were in the Valley of Praise. Now, I, I want to pa- paint a bigger picture for you. Now, uh, Israel, Bethlehem, uh, Jerusalem, uh, th- these some of these crown cities within Israel's country were in the mountain regions. Now, right on the border of, um, okay, I lost it, but uh, what is today called, uh, not Gerizim, but what today is, where the those crazy dudes that love to blow stuff up? Where, where is that? The Palestinians, yeah, Palestinians. So the Palestinians today share this coastline, but uh, so you have the mountainous regions of Israel, where you had your crown cities like Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and then you had what's called the Shakrah which was a series of valleys that connected the coastlands. Now, the Philistines were coastland people. They were born in the coastlands. They spent a lot of time uh, sitting at the dock of the bay with Otis Redding, right? They spent a lot of time out on fishing boats, cultivating the natural resources of the earth. And when an army wanted to take a higher ground, when they wanted to capture and or conquer a higher ground, they had to pass over the Shakra. Now, the Shakra was a series of valleys, and within that valley the most beautiful all of all was the valley of Allah So we find ourselves in this scene, and I want you to see it, because over here on the northern side of the Valley of Allah, you have Israel, and they're camped at the top of that mountain. And then over here on the southern region of the Valley of Allah, you've got the Philistines. Now for 40 days and 40 nights, the champion Goliath went out before the armies, and he taunted them, he defied them. What you are going to see tonight is the Brad Pitt of the Old Testament. Amen. You're going to see some Troy action. And I'm going to spit some game for you tonight because there's some misnomers about this story that have been taught to you incorrectly. Now, we think of David as being this old sheepish, little peckish, uh, red-headed little fawn that just happened to gallop upon the battlefield and get lucky. No, I want you to understand something. And we're going to see it later in the story tonight. But David had already killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands. Okay? And what I, want you to, what I want to do is I want to paint a picture of ancient warfare. There was three groups of soldiers. You had uh, the cavalry, which, which rode on horseback, or they rode on chariots. Then you had the foot soldiers, which is what uh, Goliath would have been, but then you would have had the, the special forces. It would have been individuals that would have been called the artillery. Now that would have been by field artillery forces, cannons, but it also, the cannon, the cannon, but it also would have been sharpshooters, which would have been soldiers. That That were steeped and endowed with an ability to be deadly with a slingshot. Now I don't want you to get it twisted and think there's just some red-headed freckled boy pawning across this uh, pasture and, and, and gets lucky and hits one. These sharpshooters, these uh, marksmen, these these uh the right, you checking with me? These expert marksmen, they could, they were known in the ancient times of war to hit birds in mid-flight with these rocks that they flew with their slings. These shepherds would it would not be uncommon for them to kill a lion or a bear with a stone that they came from this slingshot and I want you to understand that they would have had some major velocity going with this slingshot. They most likely would have had six to seven revolutions a second. With this sling. So when they released it, it would have been twice as fast as any major league pitcher that is in existence today. So when that rock hit that bad boy in the most vulnerable spot of his head, it was not an accident. It wasn't something that David didn't expect to happen. And we're going to get to why later. He knew that he had it on point, And he knew who was behind him. And who was behind him was God. Amen. There was also something special about the stones that he picked up. They weren't just regular stones. In the Valley of Allah, the stones were made of a chemical compound that my brain is alluding to right now, so you'll have to Google it later. You're going to have to look up the Google, all right? But they were uh, a sulfuric compound, uh, and there was another byproduct that I'm forgetting right now. But these stones would have been more likely to pierce anything that got in their way. They had a stopping power of what we would experience, uh, experience to this day with a 45 caliber. So when he hit that bad boy, okay? He hit him with some stopping power. It would have been equivalent to a 45 caliber pistol to this day. And I want you guys to get this. David was the Brad Pitt of the Old Testament. He was a bad boy. You can paint him up in the picture of Legends of the Fall or you can put him right in the middle of uh, the cinematography that we experienced from the movie Troy. He came out and he was a bad man. He knew what he was capable of doing and he knew that he had God with him. So when he stepped into the glory, which was the calling that God gave him, the power of heaven was behind him. But he knew that this would happen. Why? Because he had already killed his own demons and his own giants when nobody was around. Judah is Hebrew for the place of praise. Now, I want you guys to get this. I'm going to give you 10 takeaways, but I want you to understand the backdrop, and that is that David was just anointed to be the next king of Israel the chapter before this. So this man, the little peckish, the little Flemish peasant boy that's out in the herds tending to the sheep, right? Right? The sheep got in trouble. Why did he get in trouble? Because he was bad. All right, that was a bad joke. All right, I'll work on the delivery for next time. But track with me, guys. I want you to see this. This little peckish soldier out in the field, this little shepherd boy, this little drummer boy, right, that we got the little felt paintings in Sunday school when we were little kids at church, Uh, he came out, in in all the sons of Jesse, all seven of them, he's the eighth, they were lined up before the prophet uh, Samuel, and he was set to anoint the next king of Israel, and he went down the line, and he looked at every single individual, looked at the tall, strapping, handsome men, the, the big shoulders, and they, were to, they looked like they could take care of some business. And every single one of those individuals, God said, no, that's not the one I picked. He said, go give me the little runt out in the field. Go give me the little shepherd boy. And the prophet Samuel said, is this all the sons you got? He's like, no, I got, I got the little kid out in the field. He said, bring him here. And he brought him there. And the Lord told Samuel, he said, surely the Lord's anointed, is, is, uh, he said that the, the anointed is before me, anoint his head with oil. David is anointed to be the next king of Israel. And the first thing he's asked to do is what you're about to see right here. We've set the stage. Are y'all ready to eat? All right. Come on, somebody. Where's my Jeopardy music? <laughs> do, 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 do. Don't forget the last part. Okay. All right, 1 Samuel, if you're ready, I'm ready, let's go. We got some work to do, let's get after it. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 17, and the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, then Jesse said to David, his son, take now for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and then 10 loaves and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these 10 cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. The first thing that giant killers do, giant killers submit to authority. You see, David was just anointed to be the next king of Israel. And the first duty he's given is, hey, uh, little runt boy, take some dominoes out to the battlefield where the real men are at. Take, go run some dominoes. Make sure you pick up a two-liter, Mr. Pib, while you're there. The giant killers, first takeaway, giant killers submit to authority. The first mission that he's given is to take out and be an errand boy of dominoes. He's ordered to serve. The first thing that David is ordered to do is to serve. In Matthew 20, 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. You want me to do what? Do you realize the anointing that I got? Do you realize what God's going to do with my life? You want me to do what? David was just anointed to be the next king of Israel. The king! The king! of Israel and the first duty he was given as this soon-to-be king was to go take dominoes to the Roman out in the field right this is a perfect picture of spiritual authority submission and obedience David did it with a good heart the Lord said to come into my courts with gladness and thanksgiving the Lord says that he likes a joyful giver the first thing that David was called to do was serve Somebody say serve. First undeniable fact of the evening, if your head is too big to do the small things, then your heart is too small to do the big things. I'll say it again. First undeniable fact of the evening, if your heart is too big to do the small, sorry, if your head is too big to do the small things, then your heart is too small to do the big things. David's obedience to his father gives us a perfect picture of spiritual authority. Let's pick it up in 17, verse 20, subsection A. The word of the Lord reads like this. It says, so David arose early in the morning. Somebody say early. Anybody around here know how to rise early? So David arose early in the morning. And if if what you think is rising early is when you're supposed to get up, then you ain't rising early, brother. Okay, all right. Maybe right, you'll get that on the ride home. All right, so David arose early in the morning and he left the flock with the keeper and he took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. Second takeaway tonight, giant killers are disciplined. Giant killers are disciplined. False doctrine in the church today is that the longer that you've walked with God, the less you have to do for the kingdom. You know how you spell ministry? W. O-R-K. That's how you spell ministry. Work. Jesus, the Son of God, Son of Man, the Great I Am, the Beginning and the End, Alpha and Omega, El Shaddai, Elyon, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Rizzi, just to name a few. He came as flesh wrapped in this mortal coil, and he came to what? To serve. Amen. Come on, somebody. In Mark 1 and 35, it says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everybody's looking for you. Every morning that Jesus went out to his quiet place, they had to send out a search and rescue party just to find him. Because he didn't want to be found by man, he only wanted to be found by God. Can I get an amen? We shouldn't wake up with the day waiting on us, we should be up waiting on the day. Amen? Our our first prayer in the morning should be, Lord, have your way with this day so that this day does not have its way with me. Come on, somebody. You are at your weakest moment when you wake up in the morning, the first moment you wake up in the morning because your guard is down and those spirits are looking at you and they are about to jump in on that window of opportunity. And I promise you, if you look back at your life, especially husbands and wives that are in this house tonight, that if you look at some of the biggest fights that you had, it was first thing in the morning. Come on, somebody. Because the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Paul said, the desire in me is to do well, but the many members of my body fight against me daily. Brothers and sisters that are in the house, if you look at your time here, I would say that 90% of the biggest fights you ever have had or ever will have will happen right when you wake up in the morning. Because some of you guys have a powerful calling on your life. So the enemy's looking at you and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, he woke up. He woke up. Darn, what are we going to do today? And he's about to come at you with seven different types of smoke. Right? It was an Owen Wilson shout-out. All right, maybe not. All right, cool. So there's two kinds of people God won't bless, lazy and stingy. Giant killers are disciplined. They're disciplined. Y'all ever heard the statement, the early bird gets the worm? Amen. Hello. Jesus set the tone. He woke up early in the morning, and he got to a quiet place. I promise you, if I'm not up two hours before my wife is in the morning, then I've already lost before the day even begun. Because i got to get me some Jesus before any type of interaction takes place there. And she's the same way. When she gets up, she's getting in her word and she's getting in her quiet place before she deals with me. Because I'm a handful, I promise you. Hello. And she needs to have some Jesus in her life before she tries to deal with my crazy behind. Can I get a witness in the house tonight? So Jesus went to a quiet, secluded place, and he was so deep in that quiet place that they had to send out a search and rescue after him on a daily basis. And they were like, what are you doing, Jesus? Everybody's looking for you. But here's what they didn't understand. Jesus didn't come to win a popularity contest. Jesus didn't come to take the world by force. Jesus came to die, to serve, and to surrender. He came to deny self and to pave the way for us to truly experience what real joy is. Paul uh, the Apostle James said that we do these things so that your joy may be made complete joy is only completed when your joy is reliant upon those around you instead of yourself when it's all about me oh my oh my me myself and Irene then you're always going to be existing in a place of misery but when your heart begins to look at loving and focusing on the one in front of you instead of the one looking at you in the mirror that's when true joy is released And Jesus' life was marked by it. He taught for hours every single day. He taught to the point that he was so exhausted, so exhausted that he could barely stand. He was famished. Do y'all ever notice how much Jesus loves food? He's constantly saying, hey, you got anything to eat? He calls us to engage our sensory, uh, to, to have a sensory experience. He says, taste and see. That the Lord is good. The wedding feast of the Lamb. Right? He's constantly. He even shows up in his res- resurrected body walking on the water for a second time. And he says, hey, bro, you got any meat? I'm hungry. Right? So Jesus paves the way. He sets the example for us. Two kinds of people God won't bless. Lazy and stingy. Let's pick it up in verse 20. So David arose early in the morning and left the flock with a keeper. And took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. As Jesse had commanded him. But wait a minute. Didn't he consider the commandment and then decide how he wanted to respond? No. (laughs) He did it as Jesse commanded him. That's a word for somebody. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array shouting a war cry. The third takeaway tonight in the profile of a giant killer is that giant killers can't stay down. Giant killers can't stay down. He came out and he came out swinging. He came out. He was in the trenches. I want you guys to see this. The, in the ancient warfare at the foothills, they would have had trenches all along the foothills of that mountain. Now, we know that at the north side of Allah, you had the camp of Israel, and at the south side of Allah, you had the camp of the Philistines. Why did they not want to go out against each other for 40 days straight? I'll tell you why. Because the first person to make a move in that game of chess was going to be completely exposed and vulnerable. They were going to be in the valley. They would have come down from the mountain, but they would have came out of the trenches. So David's here, and he comes to the camp. He's in a circle of the shouting and the war cry, and he comes out. Now, I paint this picture for a reason. The warfare trenches were commonly six feet deep. Now, we know that Goliath was nine feet tall. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Goliath looked 15 foot tall, right? So the next undeniable fact... When you're down in the trenches, giants look bigger than they really are. Right? Nine foot plus six foot made him look like he was 15 foot tall. But giant killers can't stay down. Somebody say stay down. The false doctrine is that the, the longer that you've walked with God, the less you have to do for the kingdom. The less you have to do for the kingdom. But a true man or woman of God can't stay down. And in fact, if you look at their life, they're going to have more works. Now, there was a big argument within the bride of Christ, and it was in the first church in the history of the church that we see. And it was the one side of the body was arguing that uh, you're just saved by faith, brother. We just walk around on faith, and everything's good, and I got my own of kind of glory. and No, but then there was another side of the aisle, and they said, no, you walk by faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. You see, there was a group inside the body that said, you don't have to do works. All you need is faith. It's kumbaya. It's kind of like when Peter and John seen when they were at the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw Elijah and Moses up there chilling with Jesus and they wanted to build a hippie commune right there. They were like, let us make a tabernacle right now. We can just hang out here and braid each other's hair and sing kumbaya and just have a good old time. There was a portion of the bride of Christ that thought all you needed was faith. But the, true, the, the people that truly aligned with the doctrine of the word of God understood that they would show their faith by their works now watch this we don't work to earn what was given we work to show appreciation for what was given it's the mindset, amen I get to serve, I don't have to serve I get to pray for people I don't have to pray for people I get to give of my time and my resources I don't have to give of my time and resources I get to die to myself I don't have to You see, God wants lovers. He doesn't want slaves. It's the love of God. Don't take my word for it. The prodigal son, right? He had his little canted, his little practice rollout speech. As soon as he was going to get home, he he, he practiced it in a mirror a few times, and he was ready. I have sinned before you and before God. I'll do anything to get right. The father shut his mouth. Halfway through the first sentence, he shut down the speech, and he did what? He kissed him on the neck. What took place next? Repentance. You see, repentance didn't spur the kiss on the neck. The kiss on the neck spurred repentance. It's the love of God that incites us to move to repentance. It's the love of God that incites us to move forward for the glory of his name through restoration and healing. It's the love of the father that inspired the son and daughter to walk in a new way are you guys tracking with me tonight it's love somebody say it's all love it's all love they tried to trip jesus up what's the greatest commandment all he said it's easy love i'm paraphrasing but he said love he said if you're ever in a place in life and you don't know what to do just put on love god has defined his love in first john chapter four paul tells us to put on christ the word of god is telling you tonight to put on love amen Amen. Glory be to God. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 20. And the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, So David arose early in the morning and left the flock with a keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. The fourth takeaway tonight is giant killers are shouters. Amen. Giant killers are shouters. You see, they praised him for the victory they needed until it was the victory that they had. Come on now. Giant killers can't see something wrong and not say something. True true giant killers cannot see something wrong and not say something. Unfortunately, there's a large portion of us that want to surround ourselves with yes men. With people that will tell us what we want to hear instead of tell us what we need to hear. You see the difference, right? What we need to hear. You see, in my father's house, we always try to operate in love, but you're not going to allow your father's house to get out of order. A giant killer is not going to see something out of order and not say something. Amen? Because if we're never challenged, then how are we going to grow? Hey, if you go into the gym and you stand on top of the treadmill for 45 minutes and never turn that bad boy on, guess what? You didn't accomplish anything. But if you go into the gym and you get your behind on the treadmill and you push start and you go forward, you're going to get a workout. You're going to experience some growth. Can I get a witness in the house of God tonight? It's not the time that you've spent in the house of God. It's what you've done with your time in the house of God. Giant killers are shouters. They can't see something wrong and not say something. Giant killers won't let the low places keep them silent because they recognize that they are in the valley of praise. Judah, they were in the valley of Judah. They were in a place of praise. Come on, somebody. Giant killers cannot be silent. And when I say that giant killers are shouters, I'm not talking about volume. I'm not talking about volume. I'm talking about their determination, their hustle, their dedication, and their loyalty. When I'm talking about them being shouters, I'm talking about the way they walk. But unfortunately, a lot of people say, do as I say, not as I do. They walk loud with their talk. Sorry, they talk loud with their walk. They don't walk loud with their talk. Are you guys struggling with me tonight? When you shout in the low places, it confuses your giants. Come on, somebody. That, that dude's down and out right now. Everything's falling apart in his life. Everything's going crazy. It's been going crazy for a long time. What is he doing praising God? When you shout and you praise God in the low places, it confuses your enemies. Come on, somebody. Confusion. Confusion. Y'all ain't got to help me tonight. Undeniable fact, we have to quit telling our God how big our giants are and start telling our giants how big our God is. Woo! Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. We got to quit telling our God how big our giants are and start telling our giants how big our God is. Can I get an amen in the house? Come on now. Hello. Giant killers cannot be silent, man. They can't do it. First Samuel 17 and 21. The word the Lord reads like this. Amen. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, and an army was against them. And David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper. And he ran to the battle line, and he entered in order to greet his brothers. And he was talking with them, and behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, he was coming up to the army from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these words. And David heard him. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. And he will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. The fifth thing that giant killers do, giant killers focus on the reward. Amen? They focus on the reward. The soldiers were telling David how big the giant was, his measurements, right? He's 9 foot tall, 6 foot shield, 35 pounds, and a 15 pound uh, spear. 15 pounds. But the reward, the reward was bigger. Saul's daughter, great riches, and no taxes. You see, everybody in God's army was worried about the size of Goliath, right? Right? Everybody in the house of God, everybody in the valley of Allah was worried about Goliath's measurements. The only thing David was worried about was Saul's daughter's measurements. He was focused on the reward. Can I get an amen? Oh, y'all are too holy. Okay. Okay. He was focused on the reward. He had his eyes on the pride. He said, I killed this this Philistine that defies the armies of God, and I get what? I get his daughter? Are you killing me? You're talking about the measurements of Saul? I'm only worried about Saul's daughter's measurements. Hello? And they're going to be free from taxes for the rest of their life? And nobody's taking this dude's head off yet? What is is wrong with y'all? You see, David understood the power of God. We're going to get to why in just a second. Undeniable fact. True victory exists when God becomes our reward, not the way of getting our reward. True victory exists when God becomes our reward instead of our way of getting our reward. I see a lot of us are still playing patty cake with Jesus. We're still sending him as the errand boy out to get our dominoes. Can I get an amen? Unfortunately, a lot of us are suffering because we only see Jesus as a means to the end instead of seeing him for what he really is, which is the end. Amen? He is the reward. Glory be to God. Can I get an amen? He is my comfort. He is my strength. He is my strong tower. He is my shield. He is my shelter. He is my provision. He is my love. He is the very breath in my lungs. He is my everything. But can I be honest in the house of God today and say that Sometimes I substitute myself for him. Thank you. Sometimes I substitute myself. Sometimes I become my God. Sometimes I allow my children to become my God. Sometimes I allow, I'm just being vulnerable with you for a second, if that's all right. Is it okay to be real in church? Sometimes I allow my possessions to be my God. Sometimes I substitute the great value gospel for the impenetrable gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news, which was that you were in bondage, but now you are free. Come on, somebody. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that he would save a wretch like me because I was dead. When he found me. I saw no reason worth living when he found me, but he saw a reason worth dying. Samuel seventeen and twenty six, and the Lord reads like this Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done with the man who kills the Philistines? He wants he just wants to make sure. Right? He's just, okay, run that back real quick. I, I, I see you, bro. I see you. Run that back real quick. I just One more time. I got I to got pan left with my camera angle and take this in for a moment. He, you get what if you do this? You get what? I can't be walking around deaf all day. I got things to do. Okay. All right. 27. Then the people answered him. Y'all are too holy. It's all right. The people answered him in accord with these words saying, thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Now Elab, the oldest son and brother heard that he spoke to these men and Elab anger burned against David. And he said, why have you come down? Now see, there's some elder brothers in the house of God. When a new brother comes into the house of God, and he's got faith the size of a mustard seed, but he's crazy enough to believe God for the impossible. And he steps out, out of that comfort zone and he steps into the glory cloud of God's providence and he, he slays Goliath right are you tracking with me and then you got the older brother who's too scared to step out of his comfort zone that rebukes the young man for having faith to do what he should have been doing all along that's a word for somebody that's a word for somebody he said to have faith like a child child believes in Santa Claus You've got to give him no proof. Santa Claus is fixing to come to my house. That fat white dude's about to squeeze his behind down my chimney, right? And I'm going to leave some cookies out for him, right? He said, I have faith like a child, man. You see, to a child, it's simple. I got presents under my tree because Santa Claus came. I don't need to meet him. I don't need to talk to him. He ain't got to show me no proof, right? Right? amen let's keep it going 28 now all right 29 but david said what have i done now was it not just a question Then he turned away from him. I want to learn how to lay... All right, I'll try to stay off of for a second, but somebody needs to, to wake up in this house tonight and see that the things of God are not pertaining to our time with God. It's only the amount of faith and the willingness that we have to step into what he's called us to do. Amen? You see, God anoints us for the task he's called us to, but when we actually put boots on the ground of the calling, we are now operating in glory. Amen. We are now operating in glory. And the only thing that we have to understand is that God already built the doorway. All we have to do is walk through it. All we got to do is walk forward. It's not on me to produce what God wants me to produce. Because I can't produce it anyways. Can we be real in the house of God tonight? I don't have the ability to do what God has called me to do, so I am reliant upon him. I'm going to give you a second shade of what it means to have faith like a child. A child's reliant on their parents for everything. He said to have faith like a child. Hey, my son River, he's amazing, man. But that dude can't even go to the restroom by himself right now, right? He's relying on us to even carry out a basic bodily function like that. He's relying on us to put food in his stomach, literally, to have faith like a child. That bad boy knows that he's going to eat. That bad boy knows that he's fixing to be held all night long if I let my wife do it, right? He knows that he's going to be protected. He knows he's going to be clothed. He knows that he is loved. He knows you don't have to explain it to him, and he doesn't even have to be able to speak your language to get the point. Woo! Woo! Whoa. He doesn't even understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, but he knows that he's taken care of. He has faith like a child. Some of us get so stuck in understanding what God's called us to do instead of just laying in his arms, instead of just leaning back and knowing that he is good, that he'll never give me more than I can handle, that he'll always give me an escape route. He'll never leave nor forsake me, knowing that my daddy is good, that withholds nothing from his children. Some of us get so stuck in the waiting period because we need to understand why. We need to understand the words that are coming from his mouth. Have faith like a child. We can just stop right there. Altar call, right? Some of you guys, say, amen. That's your flesh. Let's get into the word. Come on, come on. Hello, anybody want some more word tonight? Come on now. Come on now. Thirty-one. When these words which David spoke were heard, they told him. They told them to Saul, and they sent for him. And David said to Saul, "Let no man's heart fall, fail on account of him." Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. You are but a youth. while well, he has been a warrior from his youth. But when David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him. And attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by the beard and I struck him and I killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them both the lion and the bear. Hallelujah. Since he was taunted by the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine and Saul said to David go may the Lord be with you the sixth takeaway tonight is that giant killers have character and integrity you see Saul thought David was crazy thought David was crazy crazy But David was thinking to himself, I've got a bearskin rug on my floor, and I've got a lion head mounted above my my headboard on my bed. Right? David was taking account of what God had already done for him. You see, God's enemy was Goliath. David's enemy was the lion and the bear. Woo! You have to slay your own giants before God will release you to slay his. Come on, somebody. Oh, Ooh, we, I've been here three months and I'm ready to go start a church. Sit here behind down and listen. He gave you two ears in one mouth. Respect the ratio, brother. Amen. All right. <laughs> All right. You have to to slay your own giants before you can begin to entertain the possibility of slaying gods. David had to prove himself to be faithful behind closed doors before God would release him into the public atmosphere. Are you trekking with me today? But some of you guys are so worried about the little bears that you can't even see the Goliath that's right in your face. David showed God that he would carry his word when nobody was looking. That he could be trusted with the anointing that god had given him when nobody was around to applause when nobody was around to give him an attaboy when nobody was around to tell him good job brother david's enemy was the bear and the lion god's enemy was goliath but david had to slay his own enemies before he could slay god's amen come on now first samuel 17 and 37 And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. The next takeaway tonight is giant killers see trials and tribulations as training. They see trials and tribulations as training. Come on, somebody. You'll never slay your own own giants as long as you're worried, as long as you're wearing two masks. You'll never slay your own giants as long as you're wearing two masks. Because the truth is, God can only change who you are, not who you're pretending to be. Giant killers see trials and tribulations as training, not an opportunity to be seen by man. As training to prepare them for the path that the Lord has set before them. Because if you're in this thing for anything other than God, you won't make it. You know why? Because I'm not a very good God. If I was, y'all would be praising and worshiping me. Amen? Amen? I'm not a very good God. I've spent years, broken hearts, destroyed opportunities, destroyed relationships, lost privileges. Because I was allowing myself to be God instead of surrendering to the one true God. His name is Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says if anyone is in Christ they are a new creation the old is gone and the new has come you can't wear Sunday morning church clothes in the house of God and then Monday morning be running around in your come catch me shorts hello right you can't be all, all decked out to the nines in the house of God on Sunday morning and then Monday morning you got your come catch me shorts on hello First Samuel, there you go you 're out of there first Samuel chapter first Samuel chapter seventeen, verse forty, and the word of the Lord reads like this humor 's okay it 's okay to have fun in the house of God. He took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd 's bag, which he had even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached. The Philistine, the next takeaway tonight is giant killers are determined and persistent. You see, commentators say that Goliath had four brothers, and that's why uh, David picked up four extra stones, because if this is true, they would have been in close proximity. Are you checking with me tonight? Right? I I do want to piggyback on that thought, right? We won't know the true answer until we get home to glory, but I want to piggyback on that idea to tell you tonight that once you slay Goliath, his brother's right there behind him waiting for you. Hello? There will always be giants knocking at the door of God's providence for your life. There will always be demons and devils standing in the way of your blessing. And the bigger the devil, the bigger the level, right? Can y'all hear me in the house of God tonight? He said that he would never give you more than you can handle. So if you're facing a big Goliath tonight, then that means the maker of the heavens and the earth has faith in you. You see what I've, hey, that's a good place for a clap, right? You, what, you, what I've become, you know what I begin to understand? That the bigger, the bigger the Goliath I'm facing in the current season shows me the size of blessing that God's about to release. And when I say blessing, I'm not talking about provision, brother. Hello. That's the beginning. That's, that's where it starts. I don't, play, I don't pray for provision. I, pr- I pray for favor, right? That's where it starts, brother. Some of us are so stuck on the provision that we can't even see the providence of God's hand in our life. We can't even see it. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. What I want to suggest to us tonight is that he picked up four extra stones because if that bad boy didn't go down with some praise, then I'm going to hit that bad boy with some worship. If that bad boy doesn't go down with some worship, I'm gonna hit him with some works. If he don't go down with works, I'm gonna hit him with some sacrifice. If he don't go down with some sacrifice, I'm gonna hit that bad boy with the F word. I'm talking about fasting. Come on, somebody. Oh, you guys that went to that other place need to repent. You're in the house of God. All right, right? Shame on you. I'm gonna hit that bad boy with fasting. And Owen Wilson, in that crazy movie where he was a real estate guy, he said, I'm gonna hit him with a seven different types of smoke, right? I believe that that's what David was painting the picture for us. Because in Christianity, it ain't a one size fits all. We got to have a whole arsenal in our bag to reach out. And he gives us these weapons for spiritual warfare so that we can go forward and take the next Goliath. Because as soon as you take down Goliath, his brother's going to be waiting for you. It never ends, y'all. It's called spiritual warfare. And the bell will be rung when he takes us home. The bell will be rung when you bring, breathe your last of breath. I'm going to tell you, man, I, I'll be really vulnerable with you right now, and I'll say, hey, my family's been under heart attack for the last six months. Even today alone was <laughs> enough to send most people to the loony bin themselves, okay? Right? But I'm going to tell you how grateful I am for my family, Right? Because I knew my day was a crazy beast today. But I knew as soon as I got around my family, everything was going to be okay. I knew that as soon as I got in y'all's presence, as we together got in his presence, that everything else was going to fade away. Amen. But Come on, somebody. Amen. We have to start seeing the bride of Christ for what it is. It's a support system to help each other go forward, not to tear each other down. Hey, man, I love you guys, man. I'm honored to walk with y'all, man. Y'all are are my everything. For real. It doesn't matter what the world throws at us as long as we have each other. Come on. A three-cord strand is not easily broken. Come on. You can point fingers all day, but when you bound up that little fist... Hello, can I get a witness in the house of God tonight? Those five together in unity, the psalmist said, there is nothing like the unity of the brethren. As long as we're together, there is no end to what we will do. And God has called us to some big things, y'all. God has called us as a family to some very big things. But I don't know if y'all are looking around because he's brought all the pieces. We are in no shortage of anything we need to do what God has called us to do as a family here at Victory Life. We're in no shortage. We are surrounded by people of high caliber in this house. God brings high caliber people into this house. So if you're in this house tonight, I am saying to you that you are a high caliber individual. I don't care what your past says. I don't care what your rap sheet is. I don't care what the he says, she says. I don't care what the world says about you. The only thing I'm worried about is what the word of God says about you. And it says that you are blessed. Come on somebody. It says that you are highly favored. It says that you can do anything through Christ. Hallelujah. It says that there. are nothing you cannot attain in the name of jesus if you ask of anything it will be given to you amen. amen as long as we have each other as long as we have a genuine relationship with god as long as we talk to god more than we talk about god that we're going to be in a great place hey look and if you're going through some goliaths right now then that just means you're in a position to score On the basketball courts, you don't ever spend time guarding somebody that don't ever score. If you're facing adversity, if you're facing Goliath right now, it's because you're in a position to win, brother. Come on, somebody. If you weren't in a position to throw that bad boy down, then there would be no point wasting resources, time, and effort from the enemy against you. If you are facing Goliath today, it's because you are in a position to win, hallelujah, victory life. Ecclesiastes 3, and I've taught you guys this before, it gives us a reason and a time for everything under the sun. The only thing it doesn't give us a time for is a time to quit. Come on, somebody. The only thing it does not list on that list in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is a time to quit. Some of you guys are leaning towards walking out of your inheritance in the kingdom of God, and I want to tell you tonight, stop, man. Stop, because you're worth it. Because you're worth it. Come on, somebody. Because God loves you. He's madly in love with you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. 41, and the word of the Lord reads like this. Then the Philistines came on and approached David with the shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistines looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, and ruddy and he handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, I am a dog, that you have come to me with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine also said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, you have come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin that I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel who you have taunted. And this day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give your dead bodies to the armies of the Philistines this day and to the birds of the sky, to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all the assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, but the battle is the Lord's and he will give it into our hands. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and he took from the stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine on his forehead and the stone sunk into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. And then David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and he struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it when the Philistines saw that their champions were dead they fled the ninth takeaway tonight giant killers run towards their calling not away from it you see David ran towards the opportunity to serve Go get some Domino's, take it to the real man. Okay. David ran towards the opportunity to decease the person that was defined, the only living. God in the universe. He ran towards the opportunity to witness. He ran towards the opportunity to sacrifice. He ran towards the opportunity to risk his own comfort. He ran towards the opportunity to give a word to someone who needed to be encouraged. He ran towards, oh boy. A giant killer runs towards his calling, not away from it. Numbers 33 and 50 says Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho saying speak to the sons of Israel and say to them when you cross over the Jordan into the land of Canaan then you shall drive out all all the inhabitants of the land before you and destroy all all their figureheads with stones and destroy all their molten images and demolish all their high places and you shall take possession of the land and live in it for I have given the land to you to possess it. You shall inherit the land by lot according to your families. To the larger you shall give more inheritance, and to the smaller you shall give less inheritance. Wherever the lot falls to anyone, then shall this be his. You shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then it shall come about that those whom you let remain of them will become as pricks in your eyes and as thorns in your sides. And they will trouble you in the land that you live. And as I plan to do to them, so I will also do to you. Some of the giants that are living in your land tonight are there because you refused to deal with them when they were little tiny kids. Some of the giants that are looking you in the eye tonight are in existence Because you refused to deal with them when you had the chance. And now they've grown. And they just keep getting bigger. They just keep getting more crafty. They just keep getting, right? Oh, got me again. I thought I had it all figured out. Got me again. Oh, I'm right back to square one. Got me again. Some of the giants that are in your land tonight are there because you refused to deal with them when you had your chance First Samuel chapter 17 Verse 52 and We're about to wrap it up We can go ahead and get that uh, Amazing praise and worship band up here The men of Israel We got one woo Come on now let's give the praise and worship Come on now you know how much they sacrifice And practice throughout the week And prayerfully consider everything that they bring to us We are so grateful to have them The men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted... And pursued the Philistines as far as the valley into the gates of Ekron, and they slain the Philistines, lay along the way to Sharem, even to Gath and Ekron. And the sons of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camps. Then David took the Philistines' head and he brought it to Jerusalem. He put it on his weapons in his tent. Now when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, by the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this young man. And Abner said, "By your life, O king, I do not know." And the king said, "You inquire whose son is youth is this?" So David returned from killing the Philistines. Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the Philistine's head in his hand. And Saul said to him, "Whose son are you, young man?" And David answered, "I am the son of your servant Jesse the Bethlehemite." You see, David took Goliath's head back to Jerusalem and added it to his collection at home. You see, what David was saying is what I do in the public for God, I'm going to do in my house. Joshua 1.5 says, for as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. What David said, what I'm willing to do when everybody's looking, I'm dang sure going to do behind closed doors. Can I get a witness in the house of God tonight? The last takeaway is that giant killers respond when God deals with them. As we bring the lights down a little bit, giant killers respond when God deals with them. So there was this little girl. She was about five years old, blonde hair, blue eyes. And she was out shopping with her mother. They were in a thrift store. One of their favorite things to do together was to go search for treasures in thrift stores. Anybody in the house can relate to that? It ain't how much money you make, it's how you spend it, right? Come on, somebody. And they were in a thrift store. And this little five-year-old girl, she was searching through the trinkets, and she was looking for that next thing that she needed, right? And she happened to stumble upon a pearl necklace. Now, it was in a thrift store, so it was a fake pearl necklace. But it was a pearl necklace nonetheless. And she went up to her mom, mommy, mommy, can I have this pearl necklace? I want this, I, I'll do anything, I'll, you can add chores, you can, I'll do, can I have this pearl necklace? And the mother said, well, sweetheart, how much is it? Well, it's $1.27. Well, how much money do you have? I got 34 cents okay well honey we can't get it right now because you don't have enough money but what we'll do I'll tell you we'll go home and we'll call up grandma grandpa your birthday's coming up soon we'll see if they'll give you an advance on your birthday present maybe we can come back tomorrow and get it okay mom okay she's all excited she got home she gets on the phone to grandma grandma you won't believe what I found it's a pearl necklace it's only $1.27 okay honey why are you telling me? Well, because I needed. Of course, honey. So she goes back the next day and she gets this pearl necklace. She's so excited. Now, her father was aware of what was starting to develop in this saga that we circle around tonight. He's a man of God, he knows what's going on in his house. Come on, somebody. Hello. He gets home from work. Where's my wife? He gets home from work, and his wife is cooking an amazing five-course meal. Come on now. She's already got the appetizers laid out on the dining table. Got the nice polished silverware. Sits down, he eats. They have an amazing meal. He helps her do the dishes. Sorry, guys. He helps her do the dishes. And now it's time for bedtime stories and prayer time because he's a man of God. Amen. And so he goes up to his daughter's room, and, and he begins to inquire after the story about this pearl necklace. So I, I understand, honey, that you, you've got a pearl necklace. I, I understand you're you're really excited about it. i got a question for you, sweetheart. Do you love me? Yes, I love you, Daddy. I, I love you so much. I love you. I love my Daddy. Then give me your necklace. Well, well no, did, Dad, no, not, not my necklace I'll, uh, you can have Teddy Ruxman he's only two months old I, I, I've taken good care of him he's not no stains no Kool-Aid built up on it. Right? you can have Teddy Ruxman but, but don't take my pearl necklace honey I love you let's pray they pray she goes to bed the next day comes and it's dinner time they get done with the dishes and now it's up to story and prayer time right before the prayer starts he looks at his daughter and he says do you love me? Well, yes, Daddy, I love you. I love you so much. Then give me your necklace. Well, Daddy, just please, you you can have you can have my red red rider wagon. You can you can have that. I've only had that like three weeks. You can you can have the wagon, but, but please don't take my necklace. Please don't take my necklace, Daddy. Honey, keep your wagon. I love you. And they prayed. This went on for a couple days. And finally, a light bulb went off in this young lady's heart. And it comes to the time for the prayer where he would usually ask for the necklace. And she looked at him and she said, Daddy, I love you. Here's my necklace. The daddy sighs. sighs. He was proud. He reached into his jacket pocket. He pulls out a velvet rope bag and he unveils a real pearl necklace and he places it on her neck some of you in this house tonight are holding on with dear life to the fake pearl necklace that is currently marauding your brain You are holding on with dear life to the fake pearl necklace that is tearing you apart and your father in heaven wants to bless you with the real thing he said do you love me well give it to me and i'll give it back a hundredfold i'm a good good father that wants nothing but blessings for my children We gotta let go. We gotta give it away. Because the only true thing that lasts in this life is the blessing that comes through our Father's hands. And He doesn't give us anything fake. He never falls short of His promise. He never shows up 30 minutes late. He's always on time with exactly what we need and if we would begin to learn how to have faith like a child to become reliant upon him for everything then we will begin to walk in the blessings that he had preordained before the foundations of the earth because heaven is appointed inside of you you'll stand right there the lights come down Let's get along with God as the worship team takes over. Will you give your necklace away tonight? Will you allow God to begin defeating your Goliath? Will you allow him to begin releasing the promise of his word into your life? Giant killers respond when God deals with them. And the altar is where God deals with man. You go before I know That you've even gone to win my war You come back with the head of my enemy You come back and you call it my victory